Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. We have a fun episode today with Jerry Broadway of the Button Broadway Show. Big fan of his, and I'm excited to dive in. But before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, Enterprise Bank and Trust, Go Brand Go, and the Tom James Company. Crafted using your exact measurements, custom clothing is the perfect expression of who you are or who you intend to be. It's about getting what you want, the right fit, the right fabric, the right details, the right style. Ben Lawler with the Tom James Company helps you choose from over 500 custom suit fabrics and 250 custom dress shirt fabrics. He can help you build your entire wardrobe, including suits, shirts, trousers, sports coats, and even custom tuxedos. To learn more, visit stleaders.com. And now to this week's episode with Jerry Broadway. Jerry Broadway, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you coming on here today. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, I am a huge fan of the Bud and Broadway show. Uh, my, actually, my entire family, I got to give a shout out to my sister-in-law, Lori Kirchhoff. She is the one who actually introduced me to your show. Um, I used to listen to Bobby Bones uh, in the morning on the way to work, and she says, oh, you got to listen to Bud and Broadway. And so uh, I, I changed about, well, three or four years ago and you just you you just gave me laughs on the way to work and what a what a fantastic show i always loved your your uh, bit on florida what's going on in florida those oh, what's crazy, up florida yeah yeah what's up florida those crazy things that were happening in florida man <laughs> i tell you what some of those stories i would listen to and i was just like holy cow this is real life the thing i love about that bit is a lot of times when we do it people think we're making that stuff up and we have never in almost 11 years of doing that bit, never have we had to make up a story. Every single one of them came straight out of a newspaper in Florida somewhere. That's hilarious. Yeah. What a fun, <laughs> what a fun bit. So, but no, I appreciate you coming on here today. And so, you know, I always really start with my guests talking about kind of growing up and what led you to get into radio. So if you can give some insight there. Oh man. Uh, well, I grew up, I grew up in Mississippi. I'm from a very tiny little town in Mississippi. So, so Mississippi is my hometown. And, uh, last time I checked, there were 309 people there. That's the official oh, wow. census count. It was 310, but I moved. And, uh, <laughs> so I, it was, a, as you might expect a small Mississippi town, I literally grew up on a gravel road. 
uh, out in the country and, you know, hanging out with all my cousins because my, my family kind of lived in a little, there were like three of us that lived in, in, in a little, I guess, compound for lack of a better word. And then, uh, you know, the rest of the family was always coming over and visiting because my grandparents lived there. And so my cousins were always there and I was the youngest male cousin in my family in a group of five or six dudes. I was the youngest. So I got to tail along with those guys and, and listen to them telling their jokes and, you know, doing things they weren't supposed to be doing and influencing me in horrible, horrible ways. <laughs> and through that interaction with those, cause they were all really funny. Everybody in my family on that side of my family had a great sense of humor. And so I learned how to be sarcastic and I learned how to throw zingers at people. And I, I learned how to come up with a super fast insult if I needed to tell somebody what I thought about them. And as I, as I got into high school, I was, I tried to be the class clown. I don't know that I, that I succeeded in that or not, but I tried to be the funny guy in school, but I was, I was a bit too, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh yeah. Nerdy. That's the what <laughs> I was a bit too nerdy uh, to be everyone's class clown. Cause in, in my school, you know, you had the in crowd, you had the out crowd and then you had my people that <laughs> no, no one wanted to hang out with us. So, you know, I kind of just learned how to have a sense of humor through all that. And also, Growing up in the deep south around, I was very fortunate both of my granddads were alive until I was in my mid-teens. And so I was around a lot of older people. And southern old people have a talent that not very many people have, and that is they know how to tell a story. They, and if you hang around with them long and they'll tell you a story about changing a flat tire and you'll sit there with your mouth hanging open, hanging on every word because they just have a way of spinning it and adding extra words and phrases and things and be right in the middle of the story. And then they'll hang a left and, and tell you about something that happened when they were four years old back during the depression and then come right back to changing that tire. And so I kind of picked up on that whole Southern storyteller thing. And I, I like to consider myself a storyteller. And I got into college, crazy enough, majoring in, of all things, criminal justice with a minor in American history. My goal was to be an ATF officer or a high school history teacher. Didn't care which, just want to do one or the other. Because I always wanted to be in law enforcement for some reason. And I got into college and I was studying that and doing very well in it. And my second year of college, I realized I needed something to, I needed a little money. And uh, I had had a part-time job at an AM radio station for about four months, one time when I was 18. And uh, it was one of those deals where my aunt ran a donut shop and the guy that owned the station came in one day and said, oh, I got to find somebody to do this show. And my aunt was like, well, I got a nephew that never stops talking. <laughs> and I think he'd be great for this. So the guy called me and I went in and literally, dude, I went at the guy, <laughs> the radio station was in his house. Oh my I went goodness. in into his house. Well, it was in a house. I don't think he lived there, but it, I went into the house. He talked to me for about 10 minutes. He said, there's the studio. Uh, here's the records. We're an AM station. So when the sun goes down, I need you to put this cart in. It was like an eight track. If you don't know what the carts are, I put the cart in. It's going to play the national anthem. And as soon as the national anthem ends at sundown, I need you to flip this switch over here and shut the station down. Cause by law, they could not broadcast after dark then based on something with their license. And 20 minutes later, I was on the air in this dude's den doing AM radio. And I was there for about four months because he had a real bad habit of bouncing paychecks. So I didn't stay. Oh, there no. Long. Yeah. But I remembered that when I was in college and I was like, I wonder if I can find a job at another radio station. And so I, there was this station that I drove by every day on my way to college. 
And I went to a community college in Mississippi and, and there was this little station and I drove up there one day and I, I said, Hey, I want to fill out an application. And they were like, well, do you have any experience? And I was like, Oh yeah, I got a lot of experience. <laughs> and so, you know, I filled it out and it was one of those deals where they needed somebody to cover a night shift. And so, but, but the way they did it was all, instead of having one person be the night guy all week long, they had their Tuesday, Thursday night person and their Monday, Wednesday, Friday night person. That way no one was full time and they didn't have to provide benefits, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. It was a mom and pop operation that was, uh, that was run just like a mom and pop operation. And uh, so they hired me almost on the spot. And I went in, it, dude, seriously, just for, I was looking for uh, a play money. I wanted money to go to the movies and take somebody out on a date and, and, uh, and just to kick around a little bit. But the problem was when I got in there, Someone came along and bought the radio station. A big company came in, you know, because this was during the time of consolidation and they came in and just bought them up. And now all of a sudden I was surrounded by people that actually knew what they were doing. And they started teaching me the ropes and do this and do that. And, and the more that I learned the proper way of doing radio, the more I wanted to be there more than I wanted to be in my history class. And the next thing I knew, I had dropped out of college and I was doing radio full time and I have never looked back. Wow. And so it was, it was just starting as a part-time job that led into now a career. At uh, no point in my youth did I ever say, I want to be a DJ ever, right. ever. Right. It just happened. I just tripped and fell into it. Yeah. Wow. That's very interesting. So talk to us about what, how you got to St. Louis then uh, and got on 92.3 with the button Broadway show. Well, I spent several years working at that, that station. And then I moved on to a station in Meridian, Mississippi. And that station, the owner there had a cluster of stations that he owned in Dothan, Alabama. And if you've ever looked at a map of Alabama, where it looked down into the point where Florida and Georgia and Alabama all come together in a point, Dothan is right there in that point. And he had a station there that needed a morning guy and a program director. And I had never been either. Uh, but I begged him for the job because by now I had been in radio for a couple of years and I had seen how much fun the morning people were having. And I had morning show fever, man. I wanted to do a morning show. So I begged this guy to let me have this job. And so he said, I'll give you the job as the morning show, but you also have to be the program director, which I also had never been. <laughs> so I got both of those jobs for the first time on the same day and, and moved there and actually wound up spending 19 years in that market. Oh, wow. Uh, Love the market, love the people there, still love it. Uh, Daphne and I, that's my wife, decided when we moved there, we already had our first child, but we had two more while we lived there. We decided, you know, we're going to raise our kids here. This is a great place, and this is what we're going to do. And so we did almost get them completely raised. They were in their upper teens when the opportunity presented itself because the Bud and Broadway show had started by then. And uh, we had a chance to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was like, you know what? I'm at a point now where if I don't do something now, I'm never going to do it. So let's take a chance. So we moved the show and the family out to Tulsa. We spent three and a half years in Tulsa, did very well out there on the show. And then the folks from St. Louis called and uh, we jumped at the chance because when, uh, when, when Bud and I put our show together back in 2010, we, we made a list. Uh, we put a five-year plan together. And the last item on that five-year plan was have our show in a major market. And we missed it by six months. Oh, we wow. made it. Yeah. But you made it. Yeah. 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 So what year was that that you came to St. Louis? That was February 28th, 2016. First time my feet ever hit the ground in the city limits of St. Louis. <laughs> 
so you so you were here pretty much about five years before well four four years i guess because of what happened last year which we'll get into here in a minute but talk to me about your time in st louis i know you know when the blues were in the uh playoffs in the world series you guys put a song together that was unbelievably funny and great um, but you, I feel like you guys really, you know, started planting roots here in St. Louis and into the community. We really did, man. Uh, I, I tell people this all the time. I've, I have been very, very shocked uh, being from a town as small as my hometown is. Cause I, I listen, I'm country is grits. There's there. You listen to me talk, you know, I ain't from around here. I don't try to <laughs> pretend otherwise, but I have been shocked the entire time that we've lived in St. Louis how much we, and I say we is in my entire family, how much we love this city. Um, we fell in love with St. Louis really fast. And, and, and uh, you know, there's, I tell people that live here, because, you know, no matter where you go, people that have been there their whole lives all say the same thing. There's nothing to do here. <laughs> like, Listen, if you say that in St. Louis, if there's nothing to do here, that's your fault. There's yeah. tons of stuff to do here. I come from there's nothing to do here. You don't <laughs> understand. So when you get to a place like this, and it's not just the, the cards and the blues and the arch and all the cool things to go and see in the museums and, and everything. It's the people, the people here are really awesome. And they welcomed us on the show and in our personal lives with open arms and have just been fantastic to us the whole time we've been here. So yeah, we, we decided, you know what, we're going to stay here as, as long as we possibly can. I would, I'd love to retire from here one day. Yeah. That, that would be my end goal. But uh, the, the blues thing uh, I will forever be in debt to little Nas X because uh, we were, when the blues made it into, and it looked like they were about to make the run for the cup. Uh, we wanted to do something and we were trying to, we were sitting around one day trying to figure it out. And th that song, we played it on our show that morning, the, the song uh, old town road. And I don't even know who did it. I'd love to take credit for it, but I don't think it was me, but someone in the studio said, blues going to win in the cup and they were like hey wait what is that let's figure that out and so we broke the lyrics out to little Nas X's old town road and the next thing we we wrote the blues are gonna win the Stanley cup and I think the actual title is blues are going Stanley cupping that was yeah. the name of the song and we thought this would be funny we'll throw this out and, and blues fans get a kick out of it and we'll play it a couple times and move on with our lives man that thing <laughs> I, I don't even know. I don't even know how to explain it to you. What happened with that song? It, it was, I felt like we were Justin Bieber there for just a second. <laughs> we had a hit song that no one ever knew about. Uh, the number of requests that we got from people saying, please send me that song. Please send me that song. Please send me that song. And uh, I'll tell you a little side story about that. That song almost got me fired. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Because we, we had so much going on with, with people saying, email me that email me that uh, the guy that was our program director at the time was, was real uh, by the book rule guy. And he was like, you know, you can't be emailing songs out to people. That's copyright infringement. And I was like, okay, well, I know a workaround on that because there's this company that I have done a lot of business with in the past that you can pay a fee to and they will get you the rights to a song so that you can sell up to X amount of copies of it without getting in trouble because they're paying the songwriters for you. Sure. So I went through that company and, and well, at first I asked that guy, the rule book guy, if he would do it, and he never would do it. So I was like, no, not moving fast enough, man. This is, this got to happen now. So I did it myself. I went through and I got the, the letter and everything that said, you now have the rights to do whatever you want to with this song. And, and, but, and we put it on the internet and started selling it for 99 cents a copy. And we were going to donate part of the money to charity and the whole nine yards. And Oh Lord, he found out about that. And I, mm, hey, I got written up over that one, Brian. Oh, I've been man. written up since I worked at Domino's Pizza when I was in, the, in my <laughs> yeah. teens, but I got written up over the blues song. Well, the blues, I, 
appreciate my sacrifice. <laughs> well, my family and my wife's family, we were down in Arizona um, on vacation when, you know, the blues were making that run and we would blare that song out by the pool every day, uh, get a laugh out of it. We would sing it. We knew the words, we knew the lyrics. And, you know, then we would go to, you know, a restaurant or a bar and we would watch the, the blues play that night. And so we were actually in Scottsdale, Arizona, the night the blues won the world, uh, awesome. the Stanley cup. And, uh, so that song was a, a really cool hit song. And, and back in the day, somebody, I don't remember what radio station, when the Cardinals were making a run in 2011 and 2006, they did a song um, that went to the lyrics of uh, let the big dogs out or something along those lines to the Cardinals. And so it reminded me of that when that song for the blues came out. But uh, what a, what a cool little moment. So let's talk uh, about it was really cool. We had people sending us videos from all over the country. They'd be in a bar and someone they'd be playing that song over the sound system because they gave it to the DJ and stuff. It was nuts, man. Yeah, yeah, it, it blew up. That's for sure. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank and Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. So let's talk about 2020. You know, unfortunately, last year was a, a hard year for a lot of people, including, you know, the show there. So walk us through what happened in 2020 with the Bud Broadway show leaving 92.3, um, and then, and then you know, talk to us about what the, what the future of the show is. Well, it kind of went like this, like everyone, we got, we got split up there for a while because we couldn't go into the office and be, couldn't go into the studio to work. So we had each member of the team doing the show remotely from our homes. And we had been doing that for, oh man, I think probably about six or seven weeks we had been doing it. And on May 1st of 2020, it was a Friday. We, we did the show and we got done with the show on air. And then we spent a couple hours, you know, doing our prep work and things getting ready for Monday show. And then we all said, Hey, y'all have a great weekend. And we disconnected from the internet and went about our business. And about 30 minutes after that, my phone rang and it was the general manager from the radio station calling to let me know that things had been really bad, which I knew that because advertisers, I don't know why, but when things get bad, people that advertise their first instinct is to stop advertising because that's smart. Yeah, you know, you, you got to stop letting people know you're in business when you need them the most. That's a brilliant plan. Yeah. And so all that money got pulled out of the advertising budget. Well, if you don't know, radio stations live and die on an advertising budget. So the, the money had been cut out. I, I think they said they had lost something like five or six million bucks in the first in the last 90 days. or so. I mean, it was brutal, just brutal. Sure. And, you know, they decided they had to make some cuts. And uh, to the shock of all of us, one of those cuts was our show. And, you know, I didn't understand it, but I told them, I was like, listen, I, I kind of get it. I see where you're coming from. This move doesn't make sense to me, but, I, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And so they released us from our contract. And that was that. And we were like, well, OK, that's all right. It's fine. This has happened before. I know how this works. We'll be back on the air somewhere in about 90 days. Unfortunately, we're probably going to have to leave St. Louis, we thought. Well, 90 days came and went, and the phone had not rang one time. Because in the business, the next 90 days, like Custer's last stand. I mean, it just turned into an absolute bloodbath across the country. Yeah. Thousands of people that did what we do for a living were put out to pasture. 
And so we didn't know what to do at the time when we realized, okay, no one's going to call. We don't know how long this is going to last. We had already decided to keep doing our show as a YouTube show. So we put it on every, we just stayed same time. We're on six to 10 every morning doing the YouTube thing. Uh, and we did that for about four months. Our goal there was to just, you know, keep the listeners involved as much as we could. And also, you know, not lose our chops. We wanted to stay in practice. And we also wanted to have something on in case someone decided, hey, I need a new morning show. Let me see what these guys are all about. The problem with that is, is when you do what we do in a studio setting, you know, we, we talk for four or five minutes and sometimes a little longer than that. And then we play a couple of songs and then some commercials play and then the traffic and the weather and all that stuff. And then we come back and we yuck it up a little bit more. Well, on YouTube, there's no songs. There are yeah. no commercials. There's no traffic. There's no weather. And talking nonstop for four hours is way harder than you think it is. <laughs> uh, and so after a while, we were like, man, this is killing us. So we decided to stop doing that. But we had already made the decision, even before we were let go, we had made the decision that we wanted to syndicate the show. And so we started out looking for someone to partner up with to syndicate. And we met these people in Houston, Texas a company called Sweet Radio, and they were all about signing us up for syndication and distributing the show to as many markets as possible. So we signed a deal with them, and on September 4th, we relaunched our show in syndication. Uh, on day one, we started out, we had four affiliates, uh, and as of last Monday, we are currently sitting at 21. So it's, it's growing pretty good. We're pretty happy with it. As far as the future goes, I hope the next time we talk, we have 121. That's kind of what we're shooting for. Yeah. So for the people listening to this episode, how can they find, how can they find that show? Well, there, there are numerous ways to find us. Probably the easiest way to do, if you're in the St. Louis area and you'd like to listen in the mornings, there's a station in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, that carries the show. And if you have the iHeartRadio app, all you have to do is search for KXY in Oklahoma City. That's their call letters, KXY. And they have the show on every day. You can listen to it live from 6 to 10. Uh, we have a whole bunch of stations that are running this thing, but that's probably the easiest one to find. A lot of stations are actually carrying the show in afternoons. So if you, if you want to listen in afternoons, the best way to do it, if, if you don't remember any of that, you can go to our Facebook or Instagram, go to, it's at Bud and Broadway. You can always find us on socials at Bud and Broadway. And you do have to spell out the word and, and just ask me and I'll tell you, just let me know where you are and I'll send you a link. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I, I've listened to it on the iHeartRadio uh, several times and it's good to at least, you know, be able to listen to you guys and get those laughs in the morning on the way to work still. So let's also talk about um, Bud. Um, you know, I, I know that he's decided to leave the show. Um, for those who don't know that, talk to us about his departure and uh, what, what his future endeavor holds. Well, Bud decided uh, back in May uh, that he was just going to retire from radio. Uh, this business will wear you down. I'll, I'll tell you that you, it will really wear you down. And Bud just got to a point where he felt like he didn't have anything left to say. He said, you know, I've, I've, I've told every joke I know. I don't have any jokes left to tell. So he is a meteorologist. We talked about that on the show a lot, and he had done some TV weather in the past, and he's extremely good at that. And so he was picked up by a TV station in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that, and he left the show on, I think, May the 7th was his last day on the show with us. And I don't think he's on the air in Tulsa yet, but I know he's getting ready to go on the air here pretty soon doing weather over there. So he is going to go on do, and have a fine career pointing in, at tornadoes and telling people to duck. <laughs> and uh, as far as the show, you know, Bud and Broadway, we designed this show to be more than just two dudes doing a show. 
and as the years went on, we added people here and we added people there and we built a team. And so our goal was to, you know, we kind of designed it so that we could always answer the question, what happens if one of us gets hit by a bus? Yeah. Well, Bud got hit by a bus. And <laughs> so we decided, you know what, the plan's going into motion now. And the plan was we have enough people around us that, that are seasoned veterans in this business we can handle this. And so we didn't change the name of the show because Bud and Broadway is, is a brand we've been working on for almost 11 years. And I didn't see any need to, to blow up a, a perfectly good brand. And so we just rallied everyone that's still on the show. It, it's myself, it's T-Wall, it's Sweet Becca from the Country Mecca. Everybody just kind of tightened up a little bit and we readjusted a couple of things here and there. And we've been rocking and rolling ever Rock. since. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and you, you're uh, in the middle of writing a book or a book's about to come out for you, right? So talk to us about that. Actually, uh, the book's already been released. Uh, already it is been released. Out. Uh, I finished it up during the pandemic. That was my pandemic project. Uh, I've always wanted to write a book. I never knew exactly what I was going to write a book about, but then it, then I decided that, that it was right here in my own house because I have a son Grayson. You listen to our show. You know, I talk about him all the time. He's 18 now and he's autistic and he has some other special needs and he's just a real special little dude. And he's had a pretty interesting life, uh, growing up inside my career, uh, and so there's a lot of, he has a great story to tell. And so basically I just started writing down things about Grayson. And I thought, well, you know, a guy told me, uh, that was another writer that I was talking to about some advice on how to write the book. And he said, if you're going to tell Grayson's story, you really got to tell your story too, because you need to let your reader know how his birth and his life affected you and where you were. And so I went all the way back to high school. And I start telling my story from high school and we go through uh, meeting his mom and, and, and there's love at first sight. And there's, there's a cancer thing in the book and there's, there's uh there's a infidelity that you name it. It's, it's, it's a, it covers all topics. And the great thing about it is, is even though it focuses on Grayson and his medical condition, I, I wrote the book specifically not to be heavy. I didn't want anybody to read it and walk away from it going, Ooh, I wish I hadn't read that. Now I'm depressed. <laughs> so I tried to make it as, funny and lighthearted as I possibly could. Uh, there's also some, I, I think, some pretty important life lessons in there that people can learn if, if you read the book. And if, if you don't have a child with special needs, don't think this isn't this book isn't for you because the target audience for this book is you. Because I wanted people to see how, I hate to use the word normal, but I wanted people to see just how normal folks that are different can be and how much fun they can be and how funny they are and how, how much joy they can put into your life. And so that's kind of the whole gist of the book. It's called Amazing Grayson, and it's available now. You can, you can order it uh, either through my website, which is myamazinggrayson.com. And if you order it there, you get a signed copy. Uh, or you can just order it from amazon.com. And uh, I will tell you this, if you order the signed copy, it takes a few weeks to get it because I have to get books from the printer and sign them and then mail them back out personally. Amazon get it to you in about 48 hours. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're faster than I am, but it won't be signed. Yeah. Amazon's uh, an incredible machine. Uh, right. I mean, there's, there's been days I've, I've ordered something in the morning and it's in my porch by the evening. I'm like, how that does crazy? that happen? crazy man yeah it is i tell you what though they're not good at getting uh, if you write a book and publish it self-publish it through amazon they're not good at getting you your books in a timely manner if you <laughs> so if you go i need 500 copies of my book they'll go ah we'll give them to him about three weeks <laughs> so, that's just i don't know why but that's the way it is that's the way it is yeah yeah 
Well, Jerry, I always end this podcast by asking, uh, you just mentioned, you know, a minute ago, some life lessons in your book, but I, I always ask my guests to leave the audience with a piece of advice. You know, you've had an amazing career from starting, you know, basically in college to, you know, being a major radio morning show here in St. Louis and, and now in 21 different markets. Um, and the goal is to keep growing that. Now you're an author, you wrote a book. Um, so talk to us about, you know, what piece of advice you could leave the audience with today. Oh man, that's a, that's a tough one. I would, I would say this. And, and I think if you read the book, you'll, you'll certainly see where I'm coming from with this. It's pretty simple. If you feel like that you are doing something with your life and it's the thing that God put you on this earth to do, uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in God and, and, and his plan. And so if you are here and you think God told me that I need to do this, this is what God wants me to do with my life. If you know that to be true, don't let anything get in your way. Don't let anything stop you. No matter how big the wall is, go over it, go through it, dig under it, go around it, whatever you got to do to make that happen. Cause I promise you it's worth it. No, that's great advice. That's great advice. I think a lot of times, um, when somebody's in a position and there's some adversity or challenges, it's very easy to walk away and just go in a different path. But um, I think it's very important to understand what your why is and why you're doing what you're doing. Yes. Um, but but also uh, fighting through those adversities and those challenges to keep keep pushing to what your what your end goal is. So I think that's that's great advice. Well, I will say this on behalf of myself, my family, St. Louis, uh, we, I've loved your show. I, I'm hopeful that you, you know, that we can uh, have you back here in St. Louis at some time, but, you know, I appreciate you coming on here today, sharing your career, your story, and, and the life lessons that you've learned along the way. Thank you, man. I appreciate the time and we are working diligently to get back on in St. Louis. We're just waiting for the foot draggers to make up their mind and get something done. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Jerry. Have a good day. Hey, thank you, Brian.